Hey, it's good to be with you here today. Glad, uh, glad you found us this morning as we're not in our normal spot. As most of you know, we meet in Alumni Hall in the Hub. Uh, but to this week and next week, our schedule is a little bit wacky. So this week we're here, obviously, and uh, next week we're not meeting at all. ACF services will be canceled for next week because uh, ACF, as you know, will be away at our spring retreat. By the way, if you are here and you're not plugged into a campus ministry, I know we've got a, a ton of different campus ministries represented here on ACF Sunday mornings, and so uh, welcome, welcome. I, I know that we've got some uh, double ACF crew. Let me hear you. Where, where are you guys at? You guys around? Yeah, okay, all right. I know we got some crew folks in the house too, right? How many crew folks, all right? NAB's representing strong, right? Okay, all right. And are there other ministries that are represented here that I have not covered? DCF, DCF Addy holding it down, yeah, all right. All right, so glad you're here. Hey, regardless of what campus ministry you're part of, we're so glad you uh, join us here on Sunday mornings, not here, but together as the people of God to worship Jesus and, uh, and to, to, to dive into God's word together. So um, again, next week we'll be at a, a spring retreat, and uh, if you're not plugged into a campus ministry, uh, we'd love to invite you to join us. There's no better way to get plugged in than to come on a retreat, spend a whole weekend uh, having some fun and uh, growing together deeper in community and in God's word together. So Consider the invitation before you, and uh, we'd love to, to see you out to one of these things. It's my joy to bring God's Word to you here this morning. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and open up with me to Matthew chapter 7. If you have a smart device, a smartphone, some kind of whatever uh, electronic device you might have, open up to Matthew 7. I'm going to be uh, preaching out of the English Standard Version, but whatever version you have, just follow along with us, and uh, we'll turn our attention to today's text. Now... Let me just uh, give this little caveat here before we go into the message. If you were at our sponsor church, the State College Alliance Church, just a couple of weeks ago, you may be having a slight moment of deja vu, okay? That's because I preached this message there a couple of weeks ago. And so uh, if this is your second time hearing this message, my hope is that you would treat this like kind of watching a movie for the second time, right? Like you, 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 second time around, you catch things you didn't catch the first time. And, uh, and I don't know about you, but for me, it takes a couple of times of hearing something for it to really sink in. And so my hope is that you would listen with both ears open. So with that said, meet me at Matthew 7. We're going to start from verse 15 and carry it through to verse 20. And uh, here Jesus goes into a text talking about a tree and its fruit. We'll also put the text up here on the screen, as I said, uh, if you want to look along with us that way. Matthew 7, verse 15, this is Jesus speaking here, the word of our Lord. He says, beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, you will recognize them by their fruits. Now, church, 
If you grew up in a Christian home, if you grew up in the church uh, life, church circles, this concept of tree and fruits is not foreign to you, right? Like, in fact, Jesus uses this very illustration at various points in, in other gospels, the, the whole tree and fruits. And the concept is largely easy to understand. It doesn't take a, a, a Penn State engineering student to understand what Jesus is trying to say here, right? Like, the takeaway is simple. Good trees bear good fruit. Bad trees bear bad fruit. Moral of the story, don't be a bad tree, right? I mean, end of the service, the worship team can come up and we'll see you some other time, right? Like that's, it's as simple as that at first glance. You see, I think Jesus is trying to get at something just a little bit deeper. If you've been tracking with us in the Sermon on the Mount, you'll know that Jesus is never just saying things at the surface level. He's always, he's always trying to get us deeper. In fact, the primary question that I believe we need to wrestle with here this morning, collectively here together this morning, when it comes to this passage is, what does a healthy soul look like? That's the question we need to wrestle with because that's ultimately what Jesus seems to be getting at here, what a healthy soul looks like. It seems as though Jesus is saying that who we are at the base level, listen now, who we are at the base level will often show itself on the surface level. Who we are on the inside will exhibit itself in a certain type of way on the outside. What you exhibit externally is often connected to what is going on in your soul internally. And so we need to pay close attention to the health of our soul. You see, the truth is this, folks, and many of you know this. The truth is we do a great job at paying attention to things like our physical health, right? How many of you guys are gym rats? You guys are, you know, hitting the gym, right? Like, like oh, I'm so big. I can't even raise my hand for this question. Like, I said, like, okay, we get it. We get it. All right, you're swole. You get it, right? And so, look, you might be, a, you know, like, physical health is a big thing, right? And so what do we do? We diet, right? We make sure we eat right. We make sure we exercise on the daily. We, we, we make sure we're getting our steps in for the day, right? Like, and, and we even have measurement systems. We, we even have that systems to gauge our physical health, right? We got things in our, maybe in our bathrooms called scales. We step on them and maybe we avoid them altogether. We're like, I don't, I don't go near that thing. But some of us, we have, we use these scales to measure how we're doing with, with our physical health. We got Fitbits and Apple Watches to see how many steps we've got in for the day. Heck, some of us don't even need technology. Some of us just give ourselves a nice pull on the waistband and we see how we're doing our, with our physical health. Like, oh man, I can't even get my finger up in there. Like, I, I got to work on my physical health. We, we do a great job at managing our physical health. We do a, a great job, most of us, at managing our class schedules, right? We figure out what classes we need to take in order to graduate, right? You may want to be on top of that, okay? We monitor our semesters to make sure we're taking the right amounts of credits to make sure that we graduate on time. We got our summer courses lined up, our internships lined up, and all of these things. We even have advisors that are there to make sure our course loads look healthy, and that we're on the right track towards our academic career. We manage all these things great. All these things great. We manage things like our physical health, our academic career well. But what about our souls? How do we manage our souls? Somebody like, what, what does that even mean? What does that even look like? What does a healthy soul look like? Well, I believe Jesus shows us three aspects of what a healthy soul looks like in today's passage. The first is this. If you're taking notes, you can jot this down. A healthy soul is congruent. 
congruent. A healthy soul is congruent. Notice how Jesus starts off this passage. He begins with a warning. By the way, if you hear a warning from Jesus, you want to you perk up a little bit. You want to you kind of pay attention here. Because here, Jesus is giving us a clear telltale sign of what a healthy tree or a healthy soul looks like. Notice what he says. He says, beware. Beware of what? False prophets. Who are these false prophets? These are false prophets are diseased trees, unhealthy trees. These false prophets were people with unhealthy souls. But who, were, who exactly were these false prophets? Well, scholars seem uncertain as to who Jesus was exactly. Like, like, there are a lot of times where Jesus steps onto a scene and he starts pointing fingers. He's like, I'm talking about you. I'm talking about you. Right? And so who, who were the false prophets that Jesus was specifically talking about? Well, scholars believe that in this case, Jesus wasn't pointing a finger at anyone specific as much as he was describing a category, a type of person, a category of people. You see, the type of person that Jesus was describing here in these false prophets were people who claimed to hold a certain truth but failed to live by it. You know people like that who preach they preach and preach and preach. They're all about the truth. But then when you dig into their lives, they're like, I don't see any of that translating into your everyday life. They hold a certain level of truth, but they fail to live by it. In other words, false prophets were people who had inner conviction that did not line up with their outward action. They had a whole lot of inner conviction, but none of it lined up with their outward action. There was a great deal of incongruence with these people. And Jesus follows up with this very specific word picture. He says, these false prophets, they come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. Jesus cannot have picked two animals that were more opposite than a sheep and a wolf. And using this imagery, Jesus is saying, don't be like these people. Beware of these people. But implicitly, he's also saying, don't be like these people, these people who have lives, who have, who have sets of beliefs and convictions that are, that are completely detached from their external actions. Here at ACF, we have a, a team of about 20 to 25 student leaders who lead various ministries within our church. There are deacons, deaconesses. We have a board of elders who leads our church, spiritually speaking, and we have a whole host of teams, a team of trustees who are responsible for making this church happen. I don't know if you know, the church don't set up by itself. I mean, like, it's like, not, not switch goes on, and all of a sudden, everything's set up. We have a team of trustees that come in early, faithfully, every morning, and stay late uh, every, every Sunday uh, afternoon to, to help tear down. And so, I, I, in fact, I just want to take a moment. Can we just thank our trustees for helping us have church here thank you trustees you guys are awesome you guys are awesome but listen within our leadership team I'm going to give you just kind of a, a little bit of a clue into just kind of how we run our leadership team we hold we hold our leaders to uh, three specific leadership values and this, this isn't necessarily exclusive to ACF. I'm sure other organizations and other ministries and other churches hold their leadership uh, to similar values. But we, we boil it down to these three leadership values, humility, integrity, and excellence. Humility, integrity, and excellence. Our student leadership team is, ex is expected. It is an expectation that we put out right up in the front to exhibit these qualities, not just in their leadership roles in ACF, but in their everyday lives. 
Humility, because we want our leaders to understand that leadership is ultimately about serving people. Or at least that's what Jesus thought. And so we want to follow suit according to the way that Jesus modeled for us. And so we expect our leaders to be humble, to be teachable, to be correctable, and focused on building others up. Humility. Excellence, because we believe that God deserves our best. Amen? We believe that God deserves our very best and not our scraps. And so when we give of our time, our energy, our resources, we don't give the scraps and the leftovers. We give God our very best. We make sure we offer our very best. And so we strive for excellence in what we do. Some weeks we hit the mark. Others we, we miss terribly. You know, like, but, but the fact is we strive towards excellence because we serve an excellent God. And then integrity. Because if you don't have that, you got nothing. If you don't have integrity, you don't have a platform to lead from. Title or not, I don't care. Without integrity, you have no leadership platform. And this is where the issue of congruence comes in. You see, we encourage our leaders to ensure that who they are in private is who they are in public, that there should be no discrepancy in fact, we've had to have some hard conversations, my wife and I, as, as we lead this ministry as the pastoral couple here at ACF, we had to sit down over the, over the course of our last five years here and have some hard conversations because some of our leaders would show a very different side of themselves on a Sunday morning than what Snapchat would show us on a Friday night, if you know what I'm saying. Now look, I'm not trying to be judgmental here. I, I, if, if, if you're like out partying like... I, I listen, I don't, I'm not condemning you. There is absolutely zero condemnation, but you need to know there could be a congruence issue in your life. There could be a congruence issue that you have to deal with. And leader or not, hear me. And this is like in the in the context of leadership, I'm talking about like our ACF leaders, the expectation that we hold. But with Jesus, he's not talking about leadership. He's talking about a healthy soul of a follower of Jesus. If you claim yourself to be a follower of Jesus, you are expected to have a healthy soul, and a healthy soul by nature is congruent. It's congruent. And so the matching of your inner conviction and, and your outward action is essential. Integrity is essential. A healthy soul is congruent. The second thing that Jesus shows us regarding a healthy soul is that a healthy soul produces good fruit. That's a good church term, right? It produces good fruit. Look, when your life is congruent, good fruit is going to become a natural byproduct of your life. But when your life is incongruent or misaligned, if there is a discrepancy between your private self and your public self, I promise you, it will be impossible for you to produce good fruit. Wait a second, all things are possible through Christ who strengthens me. What are you talking about? Impossible. I can, like, if God wants to produce good fruit in my life, he will produce good fruit. Friends, let me tell you right now, God is more concerned about the condition of your soul than your fruit-producing capacity. The Lord knows that if he gets to our soul level, then he can produce good fruit. But an unhealthy soul, a diseased soul, it will be impossible for you to bear good fruit. Jesus put it plainly. That, these are not my words. This is what Jesus said. In verse 18 of today's passage, he said, a healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. It's not possible. You won't see a diseased soul producing good fruit, but you will see a healthy soul producing good fruit. 
In fact, Jesus says, that's, guys, that's precisely how you know you spotted a healthy soul. By examining the fruit. In verse 16, he says, you will recognize them by their fruits. You know, grapes aren't gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles. And so every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. And then he ends the passage the same way he started. In verse 20, he says, thus, you will recognize them by their what? By their fruits. By the way, anytime Jesus repeats anything in Scripture, you might want to take a note of it. There's significance behind repetition. Jesus doesn't repeat things just to be redundant. He repeats things because there is purpose behind the repetition. In this case, he says, don't miss this. The ultimate indicator for a healthy soul lies in the fruit that is being produced in a person's life. You want to know what a healthy soul looks like? Look for the fruit. Look for the fruit. Now, again, for those of us who grew up in the church, those of us who grew up in Christian homes, this is like... Okay, this makes sense to us. I'm tracking. I, I, this is logical. I get it. You know, I, I don't think we need more clarity on this piece, right? A healthy tree produces good fruit, and a diseased tree bears bad fruits. But I think we need to pause, and I think we need to ask ourselves a more important question at this point, and that is, how are we qualifying good fruit? Like, we get that a good tree bears good fruit, but how are we qualifying good fruit in the context of a healthy soul? What does good fruit that is produced from a healthy soul look like? Because the fact of the matter is this. Like, in most things, like when it comes to fruit and trees, like, we know what a healthy fruit looks like, right? How many of you guys have been apple picking before, right? A bunch of you guys have been apple picking, right? And so, like, when you go apple picking, okay, for those of you who've never been apple picking, Lord help you. Why are you deprived, right? Like, what, what are you doing with your life? Go apple picking. That's what you do in the fall, right? That's, so, so listen, when you, when you go apple picking, right, you got your basket, and you're looking for what? You're looking for the perfect apple, the one that is shining in the sun with the red gleam of, 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 of the perfect apple, right? And, and you go up to the apple, you pick the apple, you shine it off, you examine it, Right? You don't just pick an apple and you throw it in the basket. You don't, you don't ever do it. You pick the apple, you examine it, you look at it. You see if there's any marks, any blemishes, any disease, any, any rotting, right? And if there is, you throw it on the ground and you move on. Unless you're like my kids, in which case you take the rotted apple and you throw it against a tree and you watch it explode, right? It's like, it's an awesome little activity we got going on, right? Like, and so so that, that's, that's what you do, right? You can spot a healthy apple from a diseased apple, but how do we identify what good fruit looks like on a soul level? Like we get it on an apple tree. But what about your soul? What does healthy fruit look like at a soul level? In order to answer that question, you got to remember where this passage falls. You got to remember this passage is not a standalone passage that Jesus just preached. These words lay against the backdrop of the entire sermon on the mount. The entire Sermon on the Mount is the backdrop for these words that we are looking at here today. And so for those of us wondering, do I have a healthy soul that is producing good fruit? Let me give you several questions to ask yourselves. I'm going to run through these questions. Don't even attempt to take notes on this because I'm going to fly through this. We're going to give you these questions at the end of the service. On your way out, we've got a little handout. We're going to give that to you, a little half sheet, and, and we want you to, to, to log this away in your, in your binder, folder, Bible, wherever, okay? Do I have a healthy soul that is producing good fruit? 
In order to answer that question, ask yourself, am I striving towards the qualities laid out in the Beatitudes? Does my life season and light up the darkness around me? Do I cherish the teachings of Scripture in my life? Am I quick to deal with my anger as to not harbor broken relationships? This might be a big one for some of us. Am I monitoring my eyes and my heart from impure thoughts? Remember Jesus' words on lust. Is my marriage healthy and thriving? Now this, he's talking about divorce, right? And for those of us who are like, ah, this doesn't apply to me, but that doesn't mean you should disregard it. Log it away. Because in the kingdom of God, marriages thrive. In the kingdom of God, in God's economy, marriages by very nature are intended to thrive. Am I a person of my word, someone who follows through? Follows through on my commitments, follows through on my promises, follows through on my word. Is my response to injustice one of mercy and grace? Or is it one of retaliation? Do I treat my enemies as I would my beloved friends? Do I practice my faith in private as much as I do in public? In other words, is the extent of your faith comprised of attending church on Sunday and your large group meeting? Do you have a private faith that you're developing, growing? Is it it maturing? Am I more concerned about eternal treasures than earthly ones? Do I feel less anxious and more at peace? Do I deal with my flaws first before addressing the flaws of others? Do I trust my heavenly father for good things? Do I truly trust him to give me good things? Is my treatment of others fair and just? Last week we looked at the golden rule. Folks, listen, if Jesus is correct here, that the health of our souls will be determined by the fruit of our lives, I'm going to tell you right now, you better make sure you're producing some good fruit. You better make sure you're producing some good fruit. And how do we know what good fruit looks like, Dan? (laughs) Well, Jesus showed us over the course of three chapters and 101 verses what good fruit looks like. You want to know what good fruit looks like? Look at the Sermon on the Mount. A healthy soul produces good fruit. So Jesus shows us that a healthy soul is congruent, a healthy soul produces good fruit, and then finally, Jesus shows us that a healthy soul is full of purpose. It is full of purpose. Did you catch verse 19? Jesus said in verse 19, every tree that does not bear good fruit is what? What happens to it? It's cut down and thrown into the fire. That's, what I said, that's why I said earlier, you better make sure you're producing some good fruit because if you don't, you'll end up as firewood. That's your only purpose. You see, friends, God has designed us with purpose in mind. He wants our lives to be full of purpose. And he says, if you're not thriving as a healthy tree, if you're not producing good fruit in your life, hate to break it to you, you've got no real purpose. You've got no real purpose. The only purpose you have is to be cut down and thrown into the fire. And so hear me, producing good fruit isn't just a sign of a healthy soul, it's actually the purpose of a healthy soul. 
We produce good fruit, not just to be, to be a sign of a healthy soul, but it's actually the purpose of a healthy soul. Now, I, I want you to think about, like, if, if you were to think about health for a minute, right? When we talk about health, any kind of health for that matter, it's real easy to want to be healthy for health's sake, of course, right? Like, we all want to be healthy. When we're healthy, we feel better about ourselves. We feel better about life. We feel better about the relationships in our lives, right? When we get healthy, we feel like we're making progress and getting somewhere. That's why so many of us make New Year's resolutions early on in the year. We say, I'm going to map out. I'm going to make this a goal, map out some actionable steps, and we're going to move towards that. And when you make movements towards that, you feel good about yourself. In setting personal goals in our pursuit of health, there's this sense of achievement and accomplishment that comes in reaching these goals. And so for many of us, the, the, the honest truth is we pursue health for health's sake. Now, I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I'm saying that's a very normal thing. But that can't be the last thing. That can't be the end goal just to get healthy. A lot of people are like, you know, just like there's so much talk about it. Like get, get yourself healthy. Get yourself healthy. Mind, body, and soul. Like mind, body, and spirit. Get yourself healthy. Yes, we pursue health in part for health's sake. But that's not it. You see, in this context, the way Jesus is talking about developing a healthy soul, we're not talking about getting healthy simply for our own health's sake. There's a greater purpose here to the health of our soul, and it is the health of others. Now, I'm not saying your job is to get everyone else healthy before you get yourself healthy. I'm saying when you get healthy, you actually help others get healthy. When you get healthy, you are actually able to pave the way for others to get healthy. You see, a truly healthy soul is one that deeply impacts the soul of others. I want you to think about it this way. The good fruit that Jesus mentions here that is produced from a healthy soul is not for us to enjoy. Think about that. We're talking about producing good fruit, right? A lot of people think about like, yeah, I, I, I want to be someone who produces good fruit in my life. But I need you to understand the fruit that you produce in your life, or the fruit rather that God produces in your life is actually not for you to enjoy. He produces good fruit in your life so that others might eat of it, so that others might benefit from it, so that others might enjoy it. The good fruit is not for us to enjoy. The good fruit we produce in our lives is actually meant for others. That's the whole point of the kingdom way. When we live as kingdom way people, we bring the blessing of the kingdom of God down to the kingdoms of this earth, and it actually changes things. When that happens, it actually changes things. A healthy soul actually shapes the health of an organization, a business, a ministry, a church, a family unit, a, a campus. When you get healthy, you help others get healthy. But when you're not healthy, Jesus says, you've got no real purpose. I love you. I'll walk with you. But I want your life to be full of purpose. And church, quite honestly, don't we want that? Don't we want that for ourselves? I mean, I remember there were seasons of my life when I'm laying in my bed, when I, I'd be laying in my bed just, just dazed and, and looking into the ceiling and feeling zero purpose. Lord, what in the name of why am I here? 
What am I doing here? I don't know if you've ever hit that point in your life, but that's the heart of God saying, no, no, look, I want you to have purpose. I've designed you for purpose. I've designed you to be a healthy soul, but you've got to understand a healthy soul is one that actually produces fruit for others to enjoy. Church, the takeaway is simple. Don't be firewood. Don't be firewood. Don't allow God to look at your life and say, you know what, I think this one, it's just good for firewood. Let's just cut it down and throw it into the fire. That's not the kingdom way. That's not the way of the people of God. A healthy soul is actually full of purpose. And so this morning, I've got to ask you, church, is your life congruent? Let's take inventory of our lives right now. We're going to have the worship team come up in a minute, but, but as, as we kind of wind down here in these next few moments, I, I, let's do some soul inventory. Is your life congruent? Do, do your inner convictions line up with your outward actions? And maybe for some of you, you're like, man, Dan, to be honest, I don't even got inner convictions. I don't even know what I believe. Maybe that's a good place to start. Lord, would you, would you teach me and show me your way? Because if the Bible is true that your ways are actually higher than mine and that your thoughts are higher than mine, then I want to bank on that. <laughs> if someone knows more than me, I'm not going to be as foolish to say, well, my way be done, not your way, right? And so if God is truly all supreme and all-knowing God, then it might be worthwhile this morning to take pause and say, Lord, teach me your ways, O Lord, that I may walk in your truth, as the psalmist says, that I might not have a divided heart when my heart might be solely and wholly devoted to you? Do your inner convictions line up with your outward actions? Could your life be described as a life of integrity? Or if you were to put your life on blast, would people, would people be surprised by what they see? Is your life congruent? Are you regularly producing good fruits? In, is, is your life, your thoughts, your behavior, your patterns conforming more and more to the image of Jesus? Are you producing good fruit in your life? And are you living on purpose? Do you feel that your life is actually adding value to the people around you? Or are you just living? Because if you're just living, you might be on your way to a campfire. Jesus says, I don't want you to just live. I want you to live on purpose. And part of how we do that is we live with this perspective of I live so that I can add value to people. I live so that I can add value to the people around me. Is your life full of purpose? See, Christ's heart for us is to have a healthy soul that will bring the kingdom ways of God into the diseased ways of this world.